Well, I'm glad to be here. I'm very, very honored to be here. We met uh, Peter and Diana last year, uh, my wife and I, and we absolutely fell in love with them. And because we fell in love with them, we fell in love with you. And so I'm very, very honored to be here. Uh, I've been in many, many churches around the world. I have to say, this is one of the most beautiful church buildings I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, my wife and I just, uh, you, she just, you, uh, Pastor Peter just introduced Debbie. Uh, we have three children. All of our children are grown and married. Uh, now, I know that that's shocking when you look at us because we don't look that old. I, I understand that. But we also have four grandchildren. And let me just tell you that grandchildren are much better than children. Grandchildren are fantastic. Grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your children. So we absolutely love our grandchildren. I want you to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13, and uh, maybe you click, you know, on your, your iPad or whatever, your mobile device to, to Exodus, that's fine, as long as you read your Bible. But let's go to Exodus chapter 13, and I want to share with you uh, my life message. And this is the most important message I could share with you. There is not a more important message that I could share with you than what I'm going to share with you. And I call it the principle of first. It is the principle of first. And this is a principle that runs from Genesis to Revelation. It runs all through Scripture. And if God is first in your life, everything will come into order. Everything. That doesn't mean you'll never go through a problem or a difficulty. But everything comes in order. If God is not first, everything will be out of order in your life. And that is a universal principle that God shows us all through His Word. So I want to take one passage in Exodus and show you this principle, all right? So Exodus chapter 13, uh, look at verse 1. Exodus 13, verse 1. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. I just want you to notice these three words, it is mine. It's a very emphatic phrase in the Hebrew language uh, where God is emphatically saying, it belongs to me. It's my property. It belongs to me. You're the steward of it but it belongs to me. The reason I'm showing you that is you're going to see that about a couple. There are two other areas where God says it belongs to him as well. And it's very important for us to understand it. All right, then if you'll look down at verse 12, it says that you shall set apart to the Lord all that opens the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. Again, it's very emphatic. Shall belong to God. But every firstborn of a donkey, now we're going to talk about this because it, it's, it's something that we don't really talk about this Old Testament principle much, but it represents something we need to talk about. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. In other words, you're going to lose it anyway. If you don't, if you don't give it to God, you're going to lose it. 
and all of the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Okay, I have three points today. Uh, and uh, if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. If you're not taking notes, I want you to write these down. Uh, so, uh, number one, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. That, that's what we just read in Exodus 13, and we're going to talk about it, and we're going to explain it, but this is what we just read. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. And he uses a donkey and a lamb, and a donkey represents an unclean animal, and a lamb represents a clean animal. So he's, here's what he says. Here's a principle that he gave to the children of Israel. If your clean animal has a firstborn, you have to sacrifice it to me because it belongs to me. If your unclean animal has a firstborn, you must redeem it with the sacrifice of a lamb. Now, here, here's an obvious question. What in the world does that mean to us? I mean, this was written 4,000 years ago. Well, well, let me say something to you very strongly. Everything in this book, if you look close enough, it will point to Jesus. Somehow it points to Jesus. So I want to I just hit this principle again and show you how this points to Jesus, all right? If it's a firstborn clean, it has to be sacrificed. If it's a firstborn unclean, it must be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. All right, let me just ask you a question. Were you and I born clean or unclean? Unclean, right? In other words, we were born in sin. We were born with a, a, a tendency toward sin. Let, let me say it another way. Let me just ask the parents here. Did you have to teach your children to be bad? Or did that come naturally for them? You, we have to teach our children to be good, right? So, so we're born with a tendency toward sin. But the Bible says we're born in sin. We are born sinners. So we are born unclean. Okay, let me ask you another question. Was Jesus born unclean or clean? Clean. All right, listen to me. This is what we just read. Listen, the clean had to be sacrificed so the unclean could be redeemed. Is that good? That's what we just read in Scripture. That's what this is talking about. See, it is, it, 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 God said to the children of Israel, you do this, but I want you to know this is going to represent something one day. And it represents Jesus. Now, when we talk about giving the first to God, we're going to talk about this in just a moment, that it refers to us giving the first of our income to God. And the Bible calls it the tithe. The word tithe comes from a Hebrew word, which means one-tenth or ten percent. But I want to just... Uh, give you a, an understanding of it maybe you've never ever thought of. Here's what God said. You give the first one to me. He's talking about when your sheep has a firstborn, you give me the first one. He doesn't say, wait until your sheep has 10 and then give me one of them. And, and you can give me any one you want to. You can give me the one that, that you don't like that keeps getting in your garden. That's okay. Just give me, just make sure you give me one. That's not what God says. He says, you give me the first one and the rest are blessed. The rest are redeemed. Uh, you, the reason God says this is because it takes faith to give the first one. 
You don't have any more at that point. In other words, if your sheep has a lamb and you give the first one, you don't know if that sheep's going to give anymore. It, t- it is the principle of faith that brings the blessing on our life. It is the exact same way with tithing. Here's what God says. You give me the first 10% and watch what I do with the rest. 90% with God's blessing will go farther than 10% without. So that's what he's talking about here. So we need to understand when God says, you give me the first, I'm going to, I'm going to say something about tithing maybe you've never, ever even thought about. Jesus is God's tithe. Think about it this way. God gave Jesus first. He gave Jesus before we believed. He didn't wait to see if we would straighten up and get our act together to give Jesus. He gave Jesus while we were mocking him, spitting on him, and nailing him to a cross. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So it's the same way that when we tithe, we're giving it first before we know if we have enough or not. We're not saying, okay, I'm going to pay all my bills, and if I have anything left over, I'll give it to God. The tithe is, God, I'm going to give you the first portion, and I'm going to trust you to bless the rest. Now, I'm, I'm strong on tithing because this, it's changed my whole life. And it's changed people's lives all over the world as I've shared this message. I'm so strong on it that um, my, it was a, a humorous. When my daughter was dating the, the man that she's married to now, Our young adults, there were a group of them at at a service, and they were standing around talking, and uh, they just got to laughing about uh, what it would be like, you know, how tough it would be on the guy to date my daughter, you know? And they started kind of making jokes. I'm a a hunter, uh, and I like to hunt and kill animals. And when this boy came over to, to, to date my daughter, I actually took him in the room and showed him all these mounts of animals on the wall. And I said to him, I just want you to know I'm a good shot. Uh, And I even said to him, are you saved? I knew he was, but I said, are you saved? He said, yes, sir, I am. I said, good, because you'll be in heaven tonight if you don't don't act correctly around my daughter. I just want you to know that, okay? So they were talking about what it would be like to date my daughter, and the subject of tithing came up. And one of them said to my daughter, you know, your dad is so strong on tithing I'll bet he checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date your daughter. You know what my daughter said? He does. And can I tell you something? I did. Do you know why I did that? Let me just ask you a very simple question. Why would I give my daughter to a thief? Now, if that offends you, you need to get offended at God. Because God is the one that said that a person that doesn't tithe is robbing him. I'm not the one that said that. So don't get offended at me because I didn't say that. I'm telling you what God said. But, But think about it this way. Why would I give my daughter to a man who can't even handle money? I mean, if he can't handle money, he definitely can't handle my daughter because she is a handful. Okay, she's a handful. Uh, let, me, let me show you a little bit of how God thinks about tithing. Let me give you an illustration that I hope you never forget. Let me ask some guys to come up here and, and, and help me. Um, uh, I don't know if, if uh, Ricky, is Pastor Ricky, is he in the service? If he's not, okay. How about Pastor Peter and uh, Jim and um, Glenn? 
Would y'all come up here? I'm going to give you guys, if you come right up here, wherever, come, come, come right up here, wherever I can see you, and let me give you an example here. This is the way God thinks about tithing, and I don't, I don't think you'll ever forget this, all right? Okay, uh, let's, Glenn, stand over here, please. Peter, right in the middle. Jim, you're right there. Okay. No, no. Let's just say that, um, that I say to you three guys, I'm going away for a while, and while I'm gone... I want you to take care of my wife financially. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you $10,000 a month. Okay? Now, Glenn, don't get that excited. This is just an illustration. <laughs> you see how excited he got there? His eyes got big. Okay. Okay. So, but, but all you have to do is give her $1,000 a month. I've, I've already have some other provision, but I'm going to give you $10,000 a month. You give her $1,000 a month. And so, after a few, Debbie and I keep talking on the phone. After a few months, I think about it. So I say, uh, hey, how's the money coming in from Jim and Peter and Glenn? And she says, well, Jim sends $1,000 a month, just like you said. 1000 a month, every month, it's here, first of the month. Peter sends 2000 a month. <laughs> I say 2000 a month. I only told him to give 1000 I wonder why he's giving 2000 a month. I don't know, but he gives 2000 a month. And then I say, well, what about Glenn? And she says, well, we need to talk about Glenn. <laughs> the first month, Glenn sent 700 The second month, 400 And the third month, nothing. Okay, now, how do you think I feel now about Glenn? I mean, this is my wife. And here's the point. I'm giving him the $10,000 in the first place. It comes from me. I just asked him to give 10% to my wife. Now listen to me very carefully. Remember, the church is the wife of Jesus, the bride of Christ. See, I think tithing is a little more personal to Jesus than what some of you think it is. And think about this illustration I'm going away for a while. While I'm gone, I want you to take care of my wife. Okay, so what am I going to do with this 10000 I'm sending to Glenn? I can tell you exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut him off. I'm going to quit sending him 10000 I'll tell you what I'm going to do with the 10000 too. I'm going to send it to Peter. Because for some reason, not only is he doing what I asked him to do, he's doing more. Okay, you guys can be seated. Thank you very much. Didn't they do a, a good job? Okay. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Uh, here's the second thing. Here's number two, point number two if you're taking notes. The first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. Now, uh, I'm going to show you some scriptures, but before I go to that, I'm going to tell you something. That, that I've told our church. Again, we have about 30,000 in attendance. So we're similar to the size of your church, maybe a little smaller. I'm not quite sure what your attendance is. But I have told our church several times, several times I've said this to them. You tithe 
You give 10% of your income to the church. Now, please, let me, let me explain something to you. Uh, it comes to the church, all through Scripture, it goes to the church. You don't designate your tithe. You don't give it to a Christian ministry or a missionary. It comes to the church. And I'll show you the Scripture in just a moment, just one of the Scriptures on that. But I've said to our church several times, you give 10% to our church, and at the end of one year, if you're not fully satisfied, I'll give you your money back. Now, how can I do that? Because the Bible says that if you bring your tithe into the storehouse, God will open the windows of heaven over you and pour out such blessing there will not be room enough to receive it. And, and he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. How would you like for God to rebuke the devil for you? Can I just tell you something? For 10%, that's a good deal. Even, even from a business standpoint. So I've told our church again, you give 10%, and if you're not fully satisfied at the end of the year, I'll give your money back. And you know what? I just feel led to say this right now. You, you give 10% to this church, and at the end of one year, if you're not fully satisfied, Pastor Peter will give you your money back. (laughs) Okay. All right. So the first fruits must be offered. Let me show you a few scriptures. Just stay in Exodus 13. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Uh, Exodus 23, verse 19, The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things. Number one, where do the first fruits go? They go into the house of the Lord. Not, not a Christian ministry, not a, not a missionary, even though I believe in giving. Those are offerings over and above. But the tithe comes to the house of the Lord. And I want you to notice the word bring. You shall bring into the house of the Lord. When God talks about tithing, he never uses the word give. Here's the reason he never uses the word give. He uses the word bring. Because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. You can only bring it. Uh, Tithing is returning to God what belongs to him. Let's say, uh, Pastor Peter, do you have your car keys with you? Or Glenn, do you have your car keys? Yeah, okay, bring it to me, okay? Let me give you another illustration here. I'm getting to use Glenn a lot, all right? Okay. All right, you, you can sit, you can be seated there. Let's just say that um, I, I, I live here, let's say I live here, okay, let's, let's for this illustration, and I say to Glenn, uh, Glenn, listen, my car is going to be in the shop next week, and I heard that you're going out of town for a week. So if you wouldn't mind, could I take you to the airport and drop you off, and then borrow your car for a week while my car's in the shop, and then I'll come back and pick you up when you fly back in, and, and, you know, you're not using your car next week, so could I use it while you're out of town and while my car's being fixed? And Glenn says, sure, you can do that. So Glenn, I take him to the airport, I use his car, and then the next week he flies back in, I pick him up, and then I have his keys here, and when I pick him up, I say something like this to him. Uh, Glenn, um, my wife and I have been praying, and um, we'd like to give you this car. Now, now what, what would Glenn say? He'd say, um, Pastor Robert, um, let me just remind you, uh, that's my car. Uh, you're not giving me my car. You're returning my car to me. 
Are you following me? This is what we do sometimes. We say, Lord, I'm going to be a good Christian. I'd like to give you the tithe. You know what the Lord says? Uh, You're not giving me the tithe. It's mine. It belongs to me. You're returning the tithe to me. Okay? So the first fruits must be brought into the house of the Lord. Now, if you think about this this concept, it's all through Scripture. It's all through Scripture. When, When the children of Israel went into the promised land, the first city that they came to was Jericho. Do you remember what God said about Jericho? He said, bring, he didn't say give, bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of the Lord. Bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of the Lord. Okay, why did he say that? Why did he say bring it all? It's very simple, because Jericho was the first city. It's simple. He's saying, if you'll put me first, you'll conquer the rest of the cities. If you'll bring to me the first, I'll take care of the rest. That's what God says to us. Every time we get paid, we have an opportunity to bring to God what belongs to him, the first 10%, and then he takes care of the rest. But instead, we have a battle. Do you know why we have a battle? Jesus said it this way. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let me tell you what mammon is. A lot of people think mammon is money. Mammon is not money. That's not what Jesus was referring to. Mammon is an Aramaic word, and it comes from the Syrian god of riches. It was an idol. It's very similar to in China, they do the very same thing. It was an idol that people worshipped. They went to, they actually paid tithes to it. It was the god of riches, and they trusted that god to bless them financially. And here's what Jesus said. You can't serve God and a God of riches, a mammon God. And that the way that we know we're serving God is we tithe to God. We give the first of our increase to God. If you think about it, mammon promises you everything that only God can give you. Mammon promises identity, security, joy, peace, happiness. Think about it. Mammon will say things like this to us. If you had more money, people would listen to you. If you had more money, you'd be happier. If you had more money, you'd have a better marriage. No, it's not if you had more money. It's if you had more God. If you had more of God. If you were loving God and serving God, mammon cannot give you what only God can give you. Here's the way Jesus said it again. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is looking for servants. As a matter of fact, uh, this is shocking to a lot of people, but a lot of people talk about, um, you know, the Antichrist. And Revelation talks about the Antichrist, and this is the Antichrist. Do you realize that the spirit of Antichrist is the spirit of mammon? I can prove it to you by very one, one very simple scripture. Here's what it says about the spirit of Antichrist. In Revelation, it says, you, you will not be able, if you don't take the mark of the beast, you will not be able to buy and sell. See, it's the spirit of mammon. So we have to understand that the first fruits must be offered. When, when I was in college, one of the students asked one of the professors, um, why did God accept Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's? And the professor was very honest. He said, I really don't know. But when you understand the principle of the firstborn and first fruits, 
It's simple. It's easy to see why God accepted Cain's offering, and I mean Abel's offering, and why he didn't accept Cain's. Let me just read this to you. Stay in Exodus 13 because we're going to come back to that. Genesis 4, verses 3 and 5 says, and in the process of time. Now that's a very important word. In other words, whenever he got around to it. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it doesn't say first fruit. Nowhere does it say first fruit. Verse 4, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected, now this Hebrew word could also be translated received. He, He gave honor to and he received Abel and his offering, but he did not respect or receive Cain and his offering. Do you see it? It's right there. See, so many people say, well, you know, tithing was under the law. Well, yeah, it it was under the law, but it was way before the law. This is 2,500 years before the law. And here we've got Abel. He gives the firstborn. God receives it. Cain does not give first fruits. God doesn't receive it. He doesn't receive it. And it's not that he just does it. I I don't know how much you understand really about the, the theology of the way God is, but there are some things that God can't do. He can't do. God can never act outside of his character. Let me tell you some things God can't do to give you an example. God can't change. He can't change. This is called in theology, it's called the immutability of God. And what it means is, is that God, he he can never change who he is. He is loving, he will always be loving. He is just, he will always be just. That's who he is. Uh, Let me say another reason. The reason God can't change is because if God could change, he could get better. And he can't get better because he's perfect. So he can't change. I'll tell you another thing about God that many people never thought of. God can't think the way we think. Now, I clarified the way we think because I want you to to stay with me on this. God can't think the way we think. Do you know why? Because this is one of his characteristics. He is omniscient. Omniscience comes from two words, omni and science. It means omni means all, science means knowledge. God has all knowledge. God knows everything. And I'll tell you something else if you, if you want to really kind of blow your mind like trip a breaker or blow a fuse in your mind. God knows everything at the same time. He knows everything at the same time. The reason I say that he can't think the way we think is because we think to figure things out. That's why we think. We think to try to figure something out. Okay, God doesn't think that way because he's not trying to figure anything out. Here's another way to say it. God has never said this. You know what I just thought of? I just thought of something I've never thought of. God's never said that because he knows everything. Now, when I said a moment ago God can't think the way we think, you might have even remembered a scripture thought in a way. The Bible talks about God's thoughts. Uh-huh. And that scripture actually proves this theology. Here's what that scripture says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think the way you think. As the heavens are higher than the earth, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So God can't change. He can't think the way we think. But I'll tell you something else. God can never be second. Now, you might not have him as first place in your life. But listen to me carefully. Just because he's not first in your life doesn't mean he's not first. He's first. This is the preeminence of God. He's higher than all. He's before all. He's above all. He's first of all. 
Okay, God began to deal with me after I got saved about tithing. And then he started dealing with me about giving. Giving is when we give over and above our tithe. And so I said, Lord, what, how do you want me to give? I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. What do you want me to give? Where do you want me to give? When do you want me to give? Now I'm going to tell you how this started. And this has been going on for 30 years in my life and in my wife's life. We are extravagant givers to this point. God has, has blessed us in such a way, and we, and we, but it's not to be blessed, it's to be a blessing. But this is the way it started. Uh, about 30 years ago, I was traveling and, and speaking, and I was doing a lot of youth events. I was young, and I was speaking to youth events, and I would kind of do like a youth-led service or something like that. And when I would speak, this is the only income I had. I never asked for any money, but I would speak, and the church would give me an offering. And no matter what it was, that was our income. And one month, I had one meeting, one speaking engagement for the whole month. And it was about 60 people. That was was, was it. And I also, at that time, I already had an employee, uh, a staff person that was taking care of setting up these meetings. I had an office. So I had some expenses. So I went to speak at this very small church. I never asked them for anything, never mentioned about giving an offer or anything. And the, the pastor said, let's give this young man an offering. And after the service, we were standing like right in front of the platform here. Again, a very small church, smaller than this section even right here. And um, the pastor came to me and they had counted the offering. And he said, look at this. Look at this. He said, we've never given this much. He was very excited. And he said, look at this amount. And I looked at it and it was enough for the whole month. Now, remember, I, I didn't have any other speaking engagements that's, that month. And I remember thinking, God, you are so amazing. One speaking engagement, and it's enough for the whole month. And while I'm standing there talking to the pastor, I glanced over his shoulder, and at the back of the building, I saw this missionary that had spoken right before I spoke. And this voice said to me, give him the offering. Just like that. And I remember exactly what I thought. Here's what I thought. Get behind me, Satan. (laughs) That's not God. That's not God. But the Lord kept saying, give him the offering, give him the offering. And so I went to him afterwards. I endorsed the check. I gave the missionary the offering. Debbie and I walked outside, uh, uh, you know, of the building. And there were some couples standing around. And one of them said, hey, we're going to go get some pizza. Would you guys like to go with us? And we said, yes. And, of course, the reason we said yes is, you know, uh, because we were broke, you know. And so we said, yes, we'd love to go. And so we went, and there were six couples, including Debbie and me. And so the six guys sat on one end of the table. You've seen how we do this sometimes, so the guys can talk, you know. And the six ladies sat on the other end of the table. So if you see this in your your mind, I'm seated at the end of the table, and then there's two guys, and then there's two women, and then Debbie. Debbie's at the end of the table. And these four guys started talking, and all of a sudden the guy across from the table just kind of, leaned over like that, you know, to talk to me, to say something. So I kind of leaned over. I I didn't know what he was going to say. And he said to me, how much was the offering? Just like that. And so I told him how much it was. And it wasn't, it it was, uh, it wasn't like a round number with zeros at the end. It had dollars and cents, you know, because some people had given so much and all. And so I, I told him the offering. And then he said to me, where's the check? Just like that. And, and, and I didn't want to brag. I didn't want to say, 
oh, we gave it to a missionary, you know, or something like that. But I didn't know what to say. And I was kind of confused. I didn't know why this guy was asking me this. And so I just kind of heard myself say, Debbie has it. And he said, go get it. I want to see it. So I said, okay. And so I got up and I walked down where my wife was seated and I said to her, how's your pizza? Is it good? Okay, good, okay. Because there's nothing else to say. There's no check, you know. I've given it away. And I came back. I know you're supposed to tell the truth, but I didn't want to tell him that we gave it away. And I didn't know why he was asking me this. So I I, I just said, it's in the car. And I thought, you know, it's in some car, you know, the missionary's car, but it's in the car. So I said, it's in the car. And he said, it's not in the car. So I said, where is it? You know, I mean, you know so much, pal. You know, I I didn't know why this guy was questioning me like this. And all of a sudden he said to me, you gave it away, didn't you? And I said, how do you know I gave it away? And he said, because God told me. And he pulled, he reached in his pocket, and he pulled out a check that he had written before he came to church that night. And he opened it up, and it was made out to our ministry. And he opened it up, and it was exactly ten times the check that I had just given away. Ten times. And he held it out like this, and he said, here, take this. And he was holding the top of it, and I reached out and I took the bottom of it, but he wouldn't let it go. And I realized he wanted to say something to me. I now realize he wanted to impart something to me. So I'm holding the bottom, and he's holding the top, and he said to me, God's about to teach you about giving so you can teach the body of Christ. And he let the check go. And here's what I thought. When, I, when he let that check go, I thought, this is God's money. This is God's money. It's not mine. I'm the steward of it. What, God, what do you want me to do with this? We, we bought a, a single mother a car that didn't have a car. We paid for a guy's salary who was out of work for a few months before he got another job. We bought a missionary car. We started giving, and God started bringing funds into us from places we didn't even know that funds would come in. We never asked for money. I never stood up and told this story from the pulpit and, and asked people to give me money. We never asked. We never manipulated. But we started get, And as we continued to give, God began to give us. He found someone that he could just channel funds through that would be faithful. Debbie and I got to the place where we were giving 70% of our income to the Lord. And we just continued to give to the Lord. And then one day, one day I'm sitting in my in this chair where I had my quiet time and I was having my quiet time and all of a sudden it was just, just, just like all of a sudden the Lord said to me would you give me everything? Would you give me everything? And this was a few years later and God had blessed us tremendously and I knew immediately what the Lord meant by everything. Everything in our personal checking account, everything in our personal savings account, everything in our ministry checking account, Everything in our ministry savings account, all of our retirement, both our cars, and our house. And when the Lord asked me that, let me tell you what I said. Immediately I said, yes. Lord, I would love to give you everything. You gave me everything. Now, can I say something? I don't, I don't recommend this for everyone. I, I really don't. I'm not asking you to give everything. I would ask you to give everything God asks you to give. 
That's what you should do. And so I said, yes, Lord. So I sat down with Debbie. We decided where we'd give the money, where we'd give the cars, and we decided to give our house to a pastor that had five kids that didn't have a house. So we gave everything away. Now, it took several months for us to be able to distribute everything, but we did give everything away. And then the next day, I'm having my quiet time, and I was adding up how much I'd given. And it was the most I'd ever given at one time, and it was a lot. And I was adding it up in my mind, and the Lord said to me, what are you doing? I said, nothing. You know, because you know if you have a thought and you don't tell him, then he doesn't know. I'm joking. He knows, you know. So I said, nothing, Lord. He said, no, no, what, what are you thinking? And I had this thought in my mind, and so I said, well, Lord, it's not a good thought. I said, but I'll tell you what I'm thinking. I'm adding up all that I've given, and I said, I said, you know that, that expression, you can't outgive God? And the Lord said, yeah, I've heard that. I said, well, I said, I think I did. I said, I, you know, don't feel bad about it, you know, but I said, this time, I think I've got you. And it was like the Lord said to me, you think you've got me? And when he said that, the telephone rang. And I picked up the phone, and this man on the other end of the phone said, Robert, God told me to help you with your transportation. Here's what I thought. I thought he's going to give us a car, going to give a car to us. And that's good because we didn't have a car. We'd just given away both cars. At that time, we'd given away nine cars. And we've given away many, many more cars by God's grace since then. But I thought, you know, Lord, even if he gives a car, I've still got you. Because I just gave away two cars, all my money, and a house. So I've still got you. And I said, well, what did the Lord tell you to do? This is what the guy on the phone said. He said, he told me to buy you an airplane. And he said, I'm going to pay for the maintenance and the fuel and the insurance and the, and the hangar for the airplane. And he said, I've hired a pilot and I'm going to pay his salary. Here's his name and number. And you just call him and tell him where you want to go and when you want to go. And the Lord said, gotcha. Gotcha. Now, please hear my heart. This is not a message that give and you get an airplane. Okay, that's not what the point of this message, okay? Now listen to me very carefully. We gave the airplane away too. Okay, I don't, I don't have a plane. We gave that away too. That's not the best part of this testimony. The next day, I'm reading about Solomon. Do you remember what God said to Solomon? He said, ask anything you want and I'll give it to you. And I thought to myself, God, why would you say that? To a person. And so I read about what happened the day before God said that to Solomon. And you know what happened the day before? Solomon was inaugurated the king of Israel. And when he was inaugurated the king of Israel, it was tradition for the king to sacrifice one bull. Do you know how many Solomon sacrificed? One thousand bulls. And I thought to myself, What an extravagant gift. And right when I thought that, here's what the Lord said to me. I only say to extravagant givers, ask anything you want. I would never say that to a selfish person because I can't trust selfish people. But I can trust givers. Now, I'm not even thinking that Debbie and I just gave away everything. I'm not even thinking about that. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said to me, ask Ask anything you want. And I knew immediately what I wanted. 
because you have to understand that before I got saved, Debbie and I got married before I got saved. And I had been a very immoral person. And in the back of my mind, I believed that when she found out, she would leave me and I'd lose my marriage. And so I said to the Lord that day, Lord, I want for Debbie and I to be passionately in love for the rest of our lives. And this year, we celebrate 34 years of marriage. That's better than an airplane. It's better than an airplane. Now, let me tell you the last point, all right? Here's the last point. The tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. Now, we've talked about the firstborn. We've talked about first fruits. The tithe must be first. Let me show you a scripture. Leviticus 27, verse 30 says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Okay, that's that same Hebrew phrase, belongs to God. The tithe belongs to God. It is holy to the Lord. Okay, let me give, let me give you a, an example. Let's say that you own a company, and um, it's a landscape company. Your company puts in trees and plants and flowers and things like that for people's houses. And so I call you and say, listen, I want to put some landscaping around my house. And uh, you come out and you give me a bid, and you say, okay, this is how much my my materials will be. This is how much the trees and the flowers and the bushes and all that will be. This is how much my labor will be, and my profit will be $1,000, okay? And I agree to that. So at the end of the job, I pay for all of your materials, I pay for all of your labor, and then I give you $1,000. In other words, I give you 10 $100 bills. You have 10 $100 bills in your hand, okay? Now let me just ask you two questions, all right? You have $1,000 in your hand, the tithe is 10%, so it's real simple. So you have $1,000, so here are the two questions. Number one, how much is the tithe? How much is it? $100, right? You have $1,000, it's $100. And you have 10 $100 bills in your hand. Okay, here's the second question. Which one is the tithe? It's the first one. But how do you know which one's the first one? Okay, it's very simple. Listen, it's the first one that leaves your hand. It's the first one that leaves your account. That's how you know. See, if you, if you take these 10 $100 bills and you say, okay, I'm going to set aside some for the house, some for the car, uh, some for, uh, you know, groceries, some for savings, and God hears your part, here's what's left over. Listen to me very carefully. God doesn't accept it. He does not accept leftovers because he's the first. He's the best. And actually, if you think about it, it's the first one that has the blessing on it. You gave the first one to the house. And can I tell you something? Your house does not have the power to bless your finances. But God does. So here's what we do when we get paid. We take the first 10% and we bring it to the house of God. And we say, Lord, I'm returning what belongs to you to the house of God. And then we... We bring it to the house of God, and then we pay the rest. And the other nine now have a blessing on them. Now, here's the way I do it. I get paid on the 15th and the 30th, and it's direct deposit. So on the 15th and the 30th of every month, it, it magically appears, you know, in my account. There's my paycheck. It's there. Here's what I do. On those days while I'm having my quiet time, I go online, and I actually send the tie to the church 
online. I do it through the bank on immediately. So the first money that leaves my account goes to church. Now, I felt like the Lord has always told me to say this when I share this, and I don't say it to brag, but I do say it to challenge some people. For 30 years now, Debbie and I double tithe. So that we give 20% to the church right first, right off the top, gross income, and then we give over and above that to missionaries and things like that. So immediately, 20% goes out. So the tithe goes out. But I want you to understand, I'm not legalistic about this. In other words, uh, let's just say that one morning I have, it's the 15th and I have an early morning meeting and I get up and I shower real quickly and I kind of run out the door and I go do my meetings and I'm gone all day and then I come home and I remember, oh, it's the 15th, I, I didn't give that, you know, the tithe. And so I go in and I notice that Debbie has gone to the grocery store that day. Let's say she went to uh, SM Supermart, all right, okay? So she goes to the grocery store. I don't go to her and say, oh, that's great, honey, we're cursed now. The first money that went out of our account went to, you know, the grocery store, so now we're cursed for the next two weeks. Listen, I'm not legalistic about it. I want you to understand something. I don't think God's legalistic either. I think God looks at your heart. But I'm asking you today a very serious question. In your heart... Is God first? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, a very simple question. Where's your treasure? Because if your treasure is in this church, in the house of God, then that's where your heart is. But there are a lot of people that say, my heart's in the church, but the treasure's not there. Again, listen to me. Don't get mad at me. I didn't say this. I didn't say it. It's Matthew 6. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, now, one, one last scripture. Stay in Exodus 13. Look at verse 14. Exodus 13, verse 14. It says, so it shall be. Now, this is, remember, this is about giving the firstborn. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? In other words, why are you killing these animals, Dad? That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, in other words, this is the reason I sacrificed to the Lord all males that opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeemed. Okay, here's what he's saying. He's saying one day your son is going to get old enough to notice that you're killing all these animals. And he's going to ask you, why are you doing this? All right? Now, think about this in your mind. The family's in the kitchen, and they're gathered around the table, maybe having breakfast. And the little boy runs in and says, Dad, Dad, everybody, guess what? The sheep is having a lamb, and it's her firstborn. So the whole family gets up, and they go out to the barn... And the, the dad grabs a knife on the way. And they stand around and they watch the miracle of birth. And they're all just amazed. And they all say, look at that. Look at that. And then, they, they, and then the little lamb. They say, look how precious that little lamb is. Oh, what a cute little lamb. Oh, he's standing up. Look, he's standing up. And then the father grabs the lamb by the back legs, picks him up, and cuts his throat. And this little boy is standing there watching this. Now, you know what he's thinking, don't you? Here's what he's thinking. Uh, Don't mess with dad. (laughs) 
I mean, I don't know what that little lamb did, but I'm not going to do that, you know. But then the son gets older, and the dad brings him into the business. And then maybe the son is looking over the books one day. He's, he's seated, seated at a desk, and the dad walks in from the field, and something like this happened. The son says to the dad, uh, Dad, um, just, just sit down for a moment, Dad. Sit, just, just sit down for a moment. I, I just want to talk to you about something. Uh, I've been looking over the books, and uh, I've noticed something, Dad. And um, uh, listen, you might not even know you do this, you know. Uh, we all have blind spots, you know. And, um, but um, um, I've been noticing, Dad, um, that any time any of our animals has a firstborn, you, um, how shall I say this, um, kill it. And, um, uh, Dad, I went over the books, and uh, you killed 73 animals last year. I just, just, just so you know, if you didn't know that, 73 of them, you killed them. And, um, Dad, we're, we're in the ranching business. This is our business, Dad. And uh, this is cutting into our profits. Now, wh- why do you do this, Dad? Now, here, here it is. God is saying, your son's going to ask you one day. And he said, when he does, this is what you tell him. You say, son, um, you need to know something about our family that you don't know. Uh, we weren't always in the ranching business. Uh, we didn't always own animals. We didn't even own land. Son, um, I hate to tell you this, but we used to be slaves. We were in bondage. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered us. Therefore, we gladly give to God the firstborn of all of our animals. Now, th- this, is, this was written, Exodus, 4,000 years ago. This happened almost exactly to me. Years ago, before I, I banked online, before I had that, you know, I would write checks. And here's what I was doing. One day I was in my office, and I would always write the tithe check first. First check I would always write every time I got paid. So I wrote the tithe check to the church, and I set it over to the side, and then I'm paying the rest of our bills. And my son came in, and he's now old enough to read and to understand numbers and all, and I could see him out of the corner of my eye, and he's reading the tithe check. And all of a sudden he said to me, Dad, why are you giving so much money to the church? And I remembered this scripture. And I actually set him on my lap and I said to him, "Um, Son, uh, you need to know something about your daddy that you don't know. And I hate to tell you this, son, but your daddy wasn't always a Christian. As a matter of fact, your daddy used to be a very, very bad man. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered your daddy. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first of all of my income.
See, tithing is more about our hearts and whether God is first in our hearts or not. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you just to take a moment as the worship team prepares to come. I want you to just take a moment and just ask the Lord. Just, just not out loud, but just in your heart. Just ask the Lord. Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? Just take a moment and ask Him. Just ask Him. You know, He may speak something to you right now, but He might speak to you this week. Well, just say, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? Because a lot of people do not give the first 10% of their income to the Lord. And I promise you, it will make all the difference in the world, not just in your finances, but in your family, in your marriage, in your job, in your business, in your career, when you bring the first to the house of the Lord. Some of you, God might be speaking to you about putting God first in every area of your life. Maybe you're coming to church because you're trying to get your life right with God, but you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins. And you can simply right now in your heart say, Lord, I receive you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for my sins. But I'm asking every one of you listening to me, whether you're at another campus or you're watching this on, a, on, on video or, or I don't, wherever you're hearing this, I'm asking you, will you start today by putting God first in your life? And will you give him the first 10%? Will you bring it to the house of God? Watch what happens in your life when you do it. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word today. Thank you, God. And I pray, Lord, that you will cause the truth of these scriptures to go deeply into our hearts and bear much fruit for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. For our guests and visitors, I uh, would like to invite you to our uh, welcome center uh, located at the second floor. Uh, everybody rise up as we sing our response. Come on. Put your hands together. This is the place for worship. Hey. Say yes to Jesus. Come on.